0: What's going on ladies and gents, Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com and today I have special guest Trish Hogan. She is, uh, believe it or not, one of our Keto Brick Crew team members here. She helps make the Keto Bricks, but she's also, uh, she used to compete in figure competitions, she runs marathons, she's an all around great person, so I'm super excited to dive into this, kind of figure out what got her into Keto and then how that's affected her life and her family's life. So without further ado, how are you, Trish?
1: I'm good. Thanks for inviting me today.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So so tell me and the audience, I, I know a little of this myself, but for the audience who has not heard of you, tell them a little, little brief bio kind of on you, um, what got you into the keto space and what brings us here today.
1: Well, I have a friend that's a registered dietitian that was actually my trainer and I used to compete in figure competitions and she came to me and wanted me to try keto to see how it worked for my running and I listened to her. And so here I am today, I'm keto and I have a lot of my family members and love it.
0: So with regard to to kind of like your athletic history, have have you always been athletic growing up or is that like a new involvement of yours?
1: I've always been. I loved to to play sports in high school, basketball, softball, track, cross country. And I had this awesome coach when I was in high school, still in communication with him today. And um, it it just had a a profound effect on my life, having him as a coach. And that's probably one of the big reasons that I still love to run. I actually played sixth place in cross country for the state when I was I think the ninth grade.
0: Very nice. Very nice.
1: Running's always been a passion that I've always had.
0: And you've been you've been keto now since when?
1: March of two thousand seventeen.
0: March two thousand seventeen. So before before you even found keto, you were you were doing like the cross country running, active in you know school sports and whatnot. And then you decided to dabble into uh, competitive figure competitions. Uh, what what years did those fall on?
1: Well, I ran in high school, and then when I when I completed high school, I played softball for years and a little bit of basketball. And uh, I didn't run as much, just a little short runs. And um, in 2001, I met a trainer and she taught me into competing and in figure competitions. Mm-hmm. So I made it to a national level and I went from about 2001 to 2006. And I had a dad that had cancer and I'd lost him. And just the stress of it and everything is one of the reasons that I turned to running again.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So... When you were, I just want to dive into that a little bit more. You were, you were doing the figure competitions. That was all before keto, before we got on the, on the call today, when we started recording, you had mentioned that you were doing that and you thought you were keto at the time because your, your carbs were low, but in reality, you weren't keto at all, which is a pretty common misconception amongst competitors that think they're in a ketogenic state when they just drop their carbs, but there's a lot more to it than that.
1: Oh, yes. I I did a very high protein, low carb, low fat, and I had a meal every three hours that was tuna and broccoli Mm -hmm. and to this day I'm not crazy about eating tuna and I was always fatigued and just not my mind wouldn't be clear, and I hated it but I did that for there were times I did it for eight months and I might not have a cycle for those eight months and I was always tired and so when my trainer came to me She's a registered dietitian now, and I can't remember what year she went to school, but years later, she came to me, and actually, it was probably about five years ago, she tried to talk me into keto, and all I could think of was the high protein, the, how tired that I always was, and I didn't want to do mm-hmm. it, and until a couple of years ago, I finally listened to her, so she's actually my business partner today in the tri-keto life.
0: Yeah, I definitely want to dive into that as well. Um when, when you were doing the, the competitions and you kind of were doing it with the, you know, the high protein technique that just kind of burned you out on competitions altogether like that, with the stress of everything else you had going on in life, just kind of push away from the competing scene and put you more towards the running.
1: Completely. Yes.
0: And with the running, let's dive into that. Cause you, you weren't, were, were you competitive as a runner, you know, from the time you went through high school and were competing then to, to now, or is it like a pretty substantial window of, of, of no running there?
1: There was a big window of no running. And when I first started back, I can remember how hard it was to get built up to just four miles. And the first marathon that I finished, you win just to finish that marathon. Nine. And, you know, the time that I ran it in was terrible. And I've never hurt so bad. My mind was just, I actually said, I will never run another marathon again. And today I want to try my next adventure. I want it to be a 50 mile endurance run.
0: And I, w- I want to give the audience just a little perspective here. Like, can, do you mind t- telling us all your age?
1: Um, 51.
0: You run that marathon though. And you were like breaking records. I mean, you, you don't look like you're 51 at all. And I don't know. It's just amazing to me because you come here, you know, keto bricks, make keto bricks. And you're just, you come after running, you know, 14 miles in the morning, you wake up early, run 14 miles come here, stand on your feet and work all day. And like your energy does not wane once throughout the entire course of the day. And uh, some of that's your personality for sure. But a lot of it's got to be like the food and the fuel you're putting into your body.
1: No, seriously, used to when I would go run those long mileage, I would come home and just want to lay on the couch. And I couldn't really take a nap or anything, but I just felt like I didn't have energy and I couldn't do anything else. Mm -hmm. And my husband would always tease me about, not getting anything done because I went and ran. And when I started keto, and the first four weeks to five weeks, it was like I had never ran in my life. I could, I would breathe hard, my legs would burn, and I couldn't do it. I ha- it was like I started all over again in the first few weeks of keto, and I had to build my running back up all over again. And of course, I was dealing with plantar fasciitis. Mm-hmm. And I listened to Brad Kern in a podcast, and I had went to doctors where they told me to rest it. I had shots, steroid shots. I even had laser surgery on it, and nothing helped. And then I happened to listen to his podcast, and he said, oh, don't rest it. And he told me these stretches to do, and within four days, that was better. And I could finally get back to running. So there was a window there that I had to do spin and lay off of the running, but when I was able to get back to it, I could tell that the more miles that I ran, the more energy that I had. And when I came back from running, I could come home and actually clean house and just keep going all day.
0: What I really want to dive in, I really want to dive into the comparison because you stopped competing uh, on stage in 2006, you said, and you started running pretty much right after that, right? Yes. And then you ran without you know, keto, just in a carbon, you know, carbohydrate dependent state until you got into ketosis in 2017, you said, correct? Yes. So from, you know, those several years when you were running as a carb, you know, glucose dependent athlete to now, you just recently ran a marathon. uh, Was it two weeks ago?
1: It's probably been close to a month.
0: About a month now. And that was the best time that you've had thus far. So you're older now, but you've got your best time on your marathon now that you've been in a keto adapted state compared to what you were running, you know, when you were dependent on glucose, kind of dive into the comparison between just like the training leading up to the run and the marathon itself and how, they, how the two differ.
1: This was the first marathon that I've had a chance to run since I've been uh, fat adapted. Mm-hmm. And I didn't hit a wall on this marathon where every time, of course, weather plays a huge part in it. Is it humid? Is the wind blowing? There's just different, the terrain, there's different things. So there's a lot of times if you hit that wall, you're going to walk. Mm-hmm. You have cramps, you have to walk. And on this one, I never hit the wall. I never walked. It was windy. And my time was still really good, even as windy as it was. And a huge difference. I came home. I come to your Christmas party. Yeah. I cooked for it. I, I never laid down until we came home late that night and it was awesome.
0: Yeah. See that, that to me is huge.
1: It, it is. And I, I watched my friends crash and burn. I don't know how to even explain that, but it, it's just huge the difference that it made. And I can't wait to try it again because now I want a new PR.
0: What did you do for fuel? Um, and just kind of like going through in, in the marathons prior to this one, when you were, you know, running on carbohydrates did you do like the typical big carb up meal the night before and then during the run itself have like the the goose mm-hmm. and all those fast absorbing sugars
1: well i could never do goose and i always do the goo uh gels mm-hmm. because the goose shots were so nasty it's, they're slimy mm-hmm. and with keto i would get hungry and i would eat you build your weekly mileage up. so there are days that i would be hungry and i would eat maybe two bigger meals and i always go run my marathons or any of my runs. I'm, I'm fasted used to, I couldn't do that. There was, I wouldn't even think about it, but today I'm always fasted when I get up and I go run. And if I just listen to my body, if I was hungry, I ate. And if I wasn't, I didn't. But when I built the weekly mileage up and I would be hungry, I could tell it mm-hmm. and I work. So it's hard for me to get all my food in and, Thanks to you, I kept Keto Bricks with me <laughs> and <laughs> I lived on Keto Bricks quite a bit.
0: This is definitely not a podcast designed to promote Keto Bricks, but but it kind of works as, as such for sure.
1: No, but that helped. That saved me because I'm not one to meal prep. I didn't mm-hmm. even like that idea. And the way that I'm on the road and I'm driving all the time, at least I had that with me. And I could always get the, the fat and the macros that I needed to have. And I eat until I'm satisfied.
0: You're not tracking macros at all. You're just eating pretty instinctively.
1: Yes. Until I'm satisfied. If I'm hungry, I eat and I eat until I feel satisfied. And when my weekly mileage and I'm running 50 to 60 miles a week, then I'm hungry and I can tell it. I'll eat probably two two meals a day. And there are times that if I have keto brick, I'll snack on a keto brick. Mm -hmm. And my car is kind of messy right now because of that, but.
0: <laughs> what about uh, like from a from a joint perspective, like from an anti inflammatory, you kind of touched on a little bit in that you were, you know, you were going all day long long after the marathon before you actually lay down. But I'm assuming like from a, a very acute joint perspective, like with your knees and ankles, for instance, you know, after you finished a marathon in the past before you were keto, it was just like almost debilitating. Whereas now, like you said, you, you can finish the marathon and they keep going the rest of the day.
1: Oh, it would take me two weeks to recover to get a good run in. And build my pace back up. And it would take probably three or four days before really the soreness would go. And I would even attempt to run. I ran the next day. And on about the third day, I didn't have any soreness. I know that sounds crazy. That's exactly what happened for me.
0: Yeah. You, you, I mean, it's hard for me because I'm like not a really good, (laughs) I don't have a very good perspective because the only one I ran was just without any training. So my, my joints and body and, and feet were not conditioned at all. But, I could definitely see how somebody that had put in the preparation and, and trained for an event like this would be able to to bounce back from a marathon much, much more rapidly than if they weren't, uh, you know, keto adapted, for instance. Um, did you do anything leading up to the marathon like the night before with regard to, you know, loading up on calories and consuming more? Or did you just kind of follow the whole satiation principle there as well?
1: Followed the whole satiation. I just, if I was hungry, I ate. I didn't, I didn't load up on anything. No.
0: And you didn't eat during the run itself, right?
1: No. During the run that morning, I did use UCAN, Mm -hmm. uh, slow burning starch. And I I had it 45 minutes before I went to run, start the marathon. And I had it every six miles. And other than that- The UCAN? Yes, the UCAN. And I I always do have, most of the time, I have a cup of coffee before I go run. So that morning I had a cup of coffee. Of course, I had the fat, uh, the butter, the heavy whipping cream with it.
0: Do you, do you feel um, like, is that like a certain mile marker in which you just feel like your, your energy is starting to wane at all? Or does that not occur for you whatsoever?
1: Well, in the past, when I wasn't keto, about anywhere from mile 18 to 22, I would have cramp. I would have uh, mm-hmm. just exhaustion. I could tell I hit the wall because I hurt and I, I would have to stop. And in the beginning, I might have a eight thirty minute mile. And at the end I had, it may drop to an 11 and a half just struggling to get to the finish line. And on keto, I never hit that wall. And I did carry Soleil water and a dropper bottle. And there was about four Mm -hmm. times that I put that under my tongue, but I never had a cramp this time. And I was good until I came across the finish line. As a matter of fact, the video at the end, I went back and watched it. So funny because they were chasing me down to give me the medal. (laughs) I never stopped because when I looked <laughs> up and I saw my finishing time, I thought, I didn't just do that. And on, on the video, they're running me down to it. give me the medal and I turned around and I thought, it, it was, I was happy. It was euphoric. It was wonderful.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool to be able to run a marathon. Like, I mean, there's people that run, you know, hundred miles, 200 miles, like there's some crazy ultra endurance athletes out there. But for me, not coming from an endurance athlete, you know, perspective with regard to running and then doing that marathon that I did, like yeah. I've got so much respect for people that do that because it's, it's such a mental, mental sport. And I had a Ben Davis on the podcast prior to this one. We talked about that going into it. But I mean, when you, when you're running, there's so many opportunities for your, for your mind to tell your body, you know, what are you doing this for? Just stop. But it's your, it's your mind that also tells you, you know, to keep going and one's going to overpower the other. So having the mental fortitude to push through when you're not really feeling it or when you're hurting. When you're tired, it's just, it's it's pretty, pretty cool thing for sure.
1: Yeah. You know, I have a lot of friends have tried it, but they didn't give it more than four or five weeks. And I've tried to tell them they have to give it time because you're almost retraining your whole self over again for for that. And Mm -hmm. I know how mentally it was, it was crazy because in my fourth to fifth week, I was running a 5k and I had to stop and walk in that. And I never had a problem with just three miles. And, and you definitely have to, well, you just definitely have to give yourself time to transition because you're going through trying to get your body fat adapted and it's a slower energy source. And so you have to keep going Mm -hmm. until you, you get yourself fully adapted and used to being in that your body has to work into being fat adapted because it's not the same. Those carbs and that fat adaption is two different energy sources.
0: Yeah. 100%. I mean, to, but when you think about it, like. From a biological standpoint, when you're running an ultra endurance marathon, I mean, I love the analogy of like the, the the fuel tanker trucks. You know, like you basically like if you're a gasoline engine, you know, and you've got a whole you're, you're a gasoline truck, but you've got a huge trailer full of diesel fuel on you. You can't tap into that, and you run out of gas in the exactly. middle of the highway, you're screwed. But if you're a you know diesel burning truck, and you've got that huge you know <laughs> trailer full of diesel fuel, you can tap into it easily. So it's kind of the same concept as like you know humans running. In a carb adapted state versus a fat adapted state and it's just such a higher volume of energy to, to pull from um which for me like like i said you know when i ran my marathon from a fuel standpoint i felt totally fine i never once bonked throughout the entire duration of the run my feet were, were killing me so I, I didn't really make much headway there um that was my downfall but from my energy standpoint from a fuel standpoint i felt you know 100 on top of it the whole way through um so from an endurance athlete perspective, I, I can't see any reasoning for going the carbohydrate-based approach. Like I just don't think any, you know, minuscule positive that would come from that could outweigh the tremendous positives that come from, you know, being fat adapted and being able to tap into that superior fuel source. What about, uh, what about the training that leads up into a marathon? Just um, this is where I need to be taking notes because like I said, I obviously did not train for mine. So when when you're prepping for a marathon, do you just kind of gradually titrate in? More miles week after week, or do you have like a specific regiment for you know rest and recovery versus your training days, or how do you set that up?
1: You build your weekly mileage, and of course, at the end you taper. But you get mm-hmm. weekly mileage, and you keep building it up until you finally have your you have a long day. And I've tried different programs, and you know, for me, I build the weekly mileage up, and if I have a day that I feel like I don't want to run, I'll take that day off. And I know people that get so zoned in on pushing themselves so hard that it hurts them. It hinders instead of helps. And Mm -hmm. I will listen to my body. And there are days that you're going to go out and you're going to run and you feel great. Your pace is great. And there's days that you go out and you struggle and you feel like you can't really go. And for me, sleep is huge. And if I don't get enough sleep, it's going to affect everything I do. And those are days that I struggle. But hormones i'm sure play a, a a huge part in it and they're there are just days that you have more energy than other days mm-hmm. and if i feel like i need to lay off i'll lay off but yes you build that weekly mileage up and that's why i'm you went and ran a marathon and you didn't train for it i cannot imagine that but you're tough
0: yeah I'm, or dumb one or the other <laughs> um what uh so do you have like a specific goal increase in mileage per week? I mean, I know you kind of have to play it by ear with regard to how you're feeling, recovery and sleep and whatnot, but do you try and say increase by like two miles every week or what do you try and titrate that up by?
1: You have like a 16 week training period that I put into it and they'll start off that you may have a 30 mm-hmm. mile week and you build up to where you're having about a 60 mile and you're starting, it just depends on what level are you beginner, intermediate, advanced. And the more advanced you you build it quicker, and I think I was 100 175 a month in the peak, and then you you taper about two weeks out. Mm-hmm. So those the mileage gets long. That's why you deal with things like plantar hits, just injuries stink. But when you run that many miles, and I try to cross train it. So now that I finished this marathon, I put yeah. high, high intensity training, do my spin bike, and I do my long runs and then you have your speed work. And so I change it up more. When you get in, and I lift, I love to lift. I still do that. I always will. But when I get the weekly high mileage in, it gets hard for me to fit everything in. And now that I'm finished with this one, and of course, I've looked at some other runs that I think I want to do. And Mm -hmm. I want to try a 50 and then go into a 50 miles.
0: That would be, that would be awesome. 50 miles is like no joke. I mean, 20, 25 miles, you know, marathons no joke, but like to double that, I mean, it just, it just, it, it's just crazy. Like I know how I felt after, you know, 19, 20 miles in this last one, and then to like feel that way and then know that I'm not even halfway would just mentally exhaust me.
1: <laughs> but I just want to see how tough my mind can be and how far I can push myself.
0: Mm-hmm. That's honestly the, the beauty of it. That's, that's the beauty of it because like with a marathon, I mean, kind of like what we were saying earlier about it being all mental, but it's like a, a perfect opportunity for you to see, you know, how how tough you truly are psychologically. And then you can take that going forward. The worst thing I could think, though, is if you like set this crazy high standard for yourself and then fail to do it. Granted, you don't want to risk injury. Like if you know something's not right, you you know, be smart enough to say, OK, I'm done. But yes, I'm like for me, I've got a real. I've got a problem with that. I can't commit to doing something and then step away from it. That may be, you know, a good thing. Maybe a down, downfall of mine at some points, depending on the situation. But like the ability to have, you know, that vehicle of which you can say, okay, this is what I'm doing and then do it. And then when you step away from that in accomplishment, like you're just such a stronger person for it.
1: Yes, I agree. It, I would crawl if I had to probably, because I'm like you, if I signed up for something, I'm going to go do it and I want to, I want to mm-hmm. finish it. And so far I have not had to, to quit any of them that I've signed up for, but if it happens, it, it may just happen. You just never know.
0: What What's the time frame you're thinking for the 50?
1: There is a cat smacker that I want to do because I like the t-shirt and I know that sounds funny, but you know, <laughs> um, it is a 21 mile and it's the same course that this run that I did called the full moon that they do at night, hot, humid summertime. And, and it's, it's, Very hilly rock. uh, It's a gravel road, and I Mm want to do this cat smacker in it in May. And when I finish that, I want to find the fifty mile race that I want to do and focus on that. So I'm thinking maybe the end of this year. Mm -hmm. That'd
0: be good. That'd be something to work for for sure. What about um? I want I want to dive into to try keto life and just kind of like how you've been able to take the ketogenic diet beyond just you know using it as a as a, you know, fuel source for your marathons and and your athleticism, but what you've done with it as a vehicle to help, you know, with your your business, your coaching, your family, just kind of make it, you know, bring it full circle, make it how, how all inclusive it's been toward bettering your life as a whole. Okay. Kind of an abstract question. (laughs) but
1: Yes, it is. Uh, We do clinics and we do online training, coaching. Mm -hmm. And of course, my father, um, he had heart disease. He had heart surgeries, two of those, and he had cancer, and he had it when I was in the seventh grade, and it came back twenty four years later, and that's what ended up getting him. I had a wonderful dad, so that was very hard for my family. And uh, mm-hmm. if I only knew now, knew then what I know n- know now, it could have changed the quality of his life. So I have that passion there to help people, and I had a mother that was. Um, not healthy, overweight. And she was always a tiny l- lady and sisters just, I've come from a large family. And the mm-hmm. the coach, the uh, personal trainer that I had, my trainer when I competed came to me and we started the business and just watching the people change their life has just been so fulfilling. And,
0: and the business name is Triketo Life, Correct.
1: Tri, tri Life, yes.
0: That's the Instagram as, as well, in case anybody wants to check that out.
1: Uh the <laughs> the Instagram and the Facebook, yes, is under Triquito Life. And we just focus on people that have metabolic diseases and mm-hmm. trying to change their quality of life and, and the weight loss has just been a given. And I've had friends, strangers, family, and it has been very rewarding to watch them transition into fat adaption and completely changed their life. The before and afters and and the life change that we have watched them succeed with has just been incredible. The proof is there.
0: The majority of your clients are all local, right? Like you, you interact with them face-to-face?
1: Uh, most of them, yes. And we have traveled so that we do the clinic and we can do body assessments before and at the end. And, uh, I it. it's so rewarding to see them change their life where they were on medications and they come off of them and they, they get so excited and they feel so good.
0: So that's, that's gotta be, I mean, like you said, incredibly rewarding and fulfilling. I mean, I, I, I love all of my clients, but all of my clients are, you know, <laughs> online based. So they're all over the place and I feel very close to all of them, but I, I don't have the opportunity to interact with them on a face-to-face basis. I can only imagine, you know, in your situation, being able to, to see with your own eyes, like the the transformations they're going through and just how their zeal for life seems to brighten up once they, you know, figure out this alternative way of living, this superior way of living, in my opinion, and how it impacts them on so many different levels. Like that's, that's what it's all about. Like that's, that's the, that's the beauty of coaching and actually caring for somebody and and just, you know, enlightening them on an alternative to what they're currently doing that can 100% change the way they live on a day-to-day basis.
1: Yes. And these people have tried so many things and they go to doctors trying to get help. And Mm -hmm. they come and they even, I have a sister and they did the, is it MetaFast that used to have a drink that the doctor gave you and that drink was all, and she always had a weight problem. And I can remember her being on that and losing so much and looked so unhealthy, put it all back on and then some. And then later she tried the low fat Mm -hmm. diet and she lost it, but then she put it all back on and it didn't last and she didn't look healthy. She looked like she didn't feel good or have energy. And when she went to keto, she just glows and she hasn't put any back on. And you can see a difference in how they feel. They have energy. Feel great. And I'm it not everyone does because sometimes there's an underlying issue there. It could be something with a thyroid and there could mm-hmm. be something that they need to get checked to find out why it's not working. And I have I have some clients that have had issues with that. And uh, but for the for most of them, just watching them change their life, and then they go and get their or their mothers or someone in their family or friend that they share that with, and that's what I want to see them do. And they they can actually go out and help other people when they learn what they learn from us when they come to a clinic.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, it, it's been like so cool to see just the the you know change in lifestyle amongst our very, you know, small group of, you know, the keto brick crew, for instance, like you were one of our first, uh, you know, employees, you, you reached out on Instagram, I think, and asked to get involved. Um, you were here local. We met up at a Starbucks, had a conversation, hit it off. You came on the team. And then, you know, we've got six or seven people now in total, depending on who's, who's working or not. And, and pretty much everybody is now keto. Like they've all seen just like the benefits that come from it they've all, you know, got great resources in yourself, Crystal and and myself, and they've wanted to just dive into it. And like Dylan, I think's lost, I don't know, like 25, 30 pounds or something crazy in just a matter of, you know, a month or two. And, you know, your cousin is working, uh, our nephew rather is working here and doing keto now. It's just, it's just the coolest thing ever to see so many people on like a local level want to try something out Absolutely, on their own accord. Like nobody's pushed them to do it. They just, they, they see the benefit in it in others, and then they want to try it out for themselves. Then before you know it they're doing it, and then they start telling about other telling others about it. And it just kind of, that's, that's why it's the community as a whole has grown so organically because everybody's feels so much better and performs so much better. They just want to spread the word so that other people can benefit as well.
1: Yes. And we have one and I'm still working on him, <laughs> but yeah. that, that, every time you see someone that transitions into keto and fat adaption, it just makes my heart happy after watching my dad suffer so much and there's, Mm -hmm. we have no control over when we die. Only God has control over that. But you know what? We have control over the quality of life that we have until that point. Mm -hmm. And I, I have no children. I have to take care of myself and I want to keep from being in an nursing home as long as I can. Yeah. I I want that quality of life and that happiness and the, it seems like with people that have metabolic syndromes, they go to a doctor, but they don't know. They're not told the truth and they go and they give them meds and then this med causes a side effect. So they give you a med for that side effect. And it's just crazy that when they come to me and I look at the medication that they're on, it's it's crazy. We're in a world that they want to throw a pill at everything.
0: Yeah, it's it's a sad reality of the world we live in. And, you know, I don't want to... To point fingers and blame any one demographic. Like I'm not here to blame the the medical industry. I'm not here to blame the you know the patients. Um, you know, it is what it is. Oh. And that's just kind of how things have been set up. But at the same time, you know, ignorance is no longer ex- an excuse. Like we live in a day and age in which the information is at the tip of your fingers. Like you can do a simple Google search and figure out, you know, what is and is not going to be, be good for you. And and granted, there is a lot of you know, misled articles out there. There's a there's a ton of just bad information, and it's it's a daunting task for anybody to try and wade through that and figure out what's right and what's wrong. But at the same time, I, I truly believe that you know your body is your responsibility, and it's not fair for the other people in your life, your loved ones, your children, your your parents, to have to take care of your body if you're not physically able to. Um, now, granted, I mean, when my parents get to a certain age, I, I'm gonna you know, do everything I can to give them the best quality of life I can. Like that's something I want to do and I choose to do. But to to be irresponsible in the sense that you just you know drink heavily or on drugs or just don't give any thought towards your self betterment and your health, that is putting other people out to make up for that slack and that's irresponsibility on your part. So I, agree. I, I truly believe that you should do everything in your power to be the best you can be because you only have one body. That's your fortress. That's yours to make up and build and and lay a strong foundation on. So, you know, given all the research that's out there currently and everything I know, keto to me seems to be the best thing for that. So that's why I'm so adamant about you know learning as much as I can about keto and teaching as much as I can about keto. But, you know, this is totally a rant right here, but I really believe people should take the responsibility of their own health into their own hands and be as proactive as they can about making sure they're and everything that can be towards their health so that other people don't have to be. Yes.
1: And of course they have everybody so scared of fat that mm-hmm. it people don't know the differences and the different kinds of fat. And they're just taught that low fat is what you need to do. And I pick up packages when I'm at the grocery store and I'll just read on the back of them. And I'm like, Oh, this is crazy. What's in this stuff that people don't know about. And that's what I want to do: educate as many people as I can, so that they can have that quality of life. And we just all need to be reaching out to as many people as we can to get the information out there.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, there's there's so many people like you and myself and others that are, you know, putting themselves out there to create as much content and educate as many people as we can. So, you know, anybody that that, that we see that's, you know, ha- has an interest in it or wants to learn or is eager to to better themselves, you know, speaking for for myself. And I know you, you're you the same way. And so many other people are the same way. Like we will do everything in our power to give them the tools they need to, to reach that higher level. You know, people just have to take that initiative to, to reach out in the first place. You know, they've got to, they can't have anything handed to them on a silver platter. Like you have to take some, some degree of initiative, but it's not that hard. I mean, You gotta go for it.
1: You do, you, you try to get them. And some people don't like to read. I love to read. And it helps if they will pick it up and they will get a book and they'll read and educate themselves. And if not, listen to a podcast and try to get the information that you need. And there are so many people that don't want to put forth the effort. And for a long time, it was hard for me to to let that go. And if you can't tell one person, then you have to move on to the next one, if that makes any sense. Because there are times that they have excuses. Well, I don't like this and I don't like that. And there will be a certain kind of foods that they don't like. And they have to find their thing. But if you don't go read and get study, get your information and inform yourself, then, of course, they're going to make excuses sometimes. And and there were times that I might spend a lot of time. And finally, I realized they're not going to do it if they
0: Mm -hmm. don't want to. Yeah, that's that's the hard thing.
1: And you have to let go.
0: It's it's hard to see somebody care about.
1: Especially when you look at them and they, they have illnesses. Yes. And, but you can't make them do it. And there are times that I see that. And I, like I said, I just move to the next client and let that go. And if they will listen and put forth the effort and give it time, they will see a huge change in their health.
0: I agree. I agree. What, as far as like the, the clientele base that you're predominantly working with, is there like any one particularly, you know, common misunderstanding? That you see in the majority of that population, that demographic, is there like a, like what, what's the most common misconception towards keto, I guess would be a good way to word that question.
1: Mo- a lot of them thought that you could do supplement. Um, they thought it was high protein mm-hmm. uh, and goodness.
0: The high protein, when I get that a lot too, like supplementing with high protein, it's like, you don't need to take away protein butter.
1: <laughs> no, and, but they don't, they didn't understand that, you know, the breakdown of how the body works. But once you go in and you explain it to them, I'm going to say 80% success Mm -hmm. rate. And the people that come in the clinic are very overweight. And they've had major diabetes, heart, uh, high blood pressure, heart disease. They've just had gout. And they just think a pill fixes it. And to watch them even today, um, I have some that are still there. They're working. They're working out now where they couldn't even get Mm -hmm. out of bed. And I think that the high fat, because their doctors had told them to eat a low fat diet, that uh, the idea that you bring in and you tell them that they're gonna eat fat and lose fat sounds crazy to them. They're looking at you like you're crazy.
0: Yeah, I, I get that a lot too. Is it's it's sad that there's such a phobia around fat. So I think I mean you can't you can't tell people what to do on keto and then expect them to, to follow suit. Like you have to tell them what keto is and how it works, you know, biologically speaking, like on a metabolic level before they can open their eyes enough to, to be willing to give it a try. So having some basic understanding of what the diet truly is, uh, metabolically speaking, is is absolutely key, I think, in in educating people enough to get them open minded enough to, to move forward with it.
1: Yeah. So that was the whole outline that we would have on the first day of our meeting. And it it might take us four hours to go over everything and they took notes, but that was always explaining how it worked. Mm-hmm. And going over and, you know, there are times that some listened and some didn't. And we sent them away with the material because we made packets and put everything in it so that they had that at at their disposal, that they could see everything. And, uh, of course, we had Ashley, that's a registered dietitian. So there's any questions that they could ask her.
0: Where's this clinic at?
1: Well, we're based out of Conway, mm-hmm. but we travel. And what we do is... We will post a class that we're going to give and we'll rent a venue and then that's where they come in. We do things online by phone. They can get hold of us anytime, um, 24-7 just about, and to ask any questions. And then in the beginning and at the end of the six weeks, because it's a six-week program. And in the first, we do body assessments and then we do them at the end. And I always tell them that they can get hold of me anytime and they can meet me. And I don't care if it's a year down the road. I do body assessments with them and go over anything, any questions they have.
0: Well, shoot, if there's anything I can do to help, I mean, and in get involved, just let me know. I'll go to, I'll go to the clinic. I'll, I'll be just another, another person awesome. promoting the, the lifestyle if you Love need me to.
1: um, I've actually given some that have wanted to do the bodybuilding your information. So we have some, I have some that have had, you know, younger mm-hmm. kids. Uh, I say kids, but that they're because a lot of these people that come are my age or maybe even in their 60s and they'll have younger family members that have asked about the bodybuilding. So I have given them your information for that.
0: Very nice. Yeah, definitely. Feel free to do that. I can to help. I've got one more shameless, shameless question for you. Trish. you ready? Yeah. <laughs> What This is almost just too cheesy to ask, but I'm going to. What is your favorite part about working at Keto Brick?
1: <laughs> oh, Keto Brick. I love to see that the two of you, you and Crystal, are, to me, so young. I mean, you're young enough to be my kids. Mm-hmm. And to see the success and your ambition um, to see how far you've come has amazed me. And uh, the love that you two have for each other is, it, it's amazing. And I love to come and be there and see the success and see what you're doing. And I can't wait to see where it goes.
0: I really appreciate that.
1: I'm excited for you. I really
0: appreciate that. Like it's like I said earlier, you know, it's, it's the coolest thing for me to be able to have this company that we've built from the ground up based solely on our passions and our desire to help others and then see it create, you know, positions for, you know, you, the rest of the people in our crew to, to come together and unite, like as a family, to, to make these Keto Bricks and so I'll just be like a big family there. I mean, that, that to me is like so incredibly fulfilling. I can't even begin to put it into words.
1: It is. It's it's, it's awesome. And you're so good to everybody. I try to be. You are, you both are.
0: Yeah. We have to, we have to crack whip every once in a while, but and I feel like everybody's on the same page and, and genuinely cares about what's going on. And it's more than just like a, a place where you go and punch the clock and collect an hourly wage. Like you go there and you've got some degree of, you know, ambition and, and desire and just you know, gratitude all, all bundled into one. So it's, it's, it's incredibly fulfilling for me. Like I, I owe so much to y'all and the rest of the team and I love you like a family, you know?
1: Yes. And you know, when I come in, I don't halfway do something. I want to go all the way. So I just want to see you succeed. You guys are awesome. I really
0: do appreciate that, Trish. It's been a pleasure having you for sure.
1: And love you guys. You too.
0: Where can people go to to find you? You said Try Keto Life on Instagram and Facebook. Is there any other places that they should find you on the interwebs?
1: Yeah, that's going to be the two places that we're at right now.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I will link out to those to make it easy for people to find you as well. Um, That said, Trish, it's been a pleasure. And I will, are you working tomorrow or Wednesday?
1: Uh, I'm not there tomorrow, but I'll see you Wednesday.
0: Wednesday. All right. Well, I will see you on Wednesday. We'll make some bricks. Sounds great. (laughs) Thank you, Trish. Take care.